0: welcome to the Homeschool with Moxie podcast. I'm your host, Abby Banks, and this is episode number 38. As a former classroom teacher, now homeschooling mom of five, I love to equip and encourage other homeschool families. So stick around to learn how to homeschool with Moxie. It's about embracing your journey and finding your groove. Show notes for today's episode can be found at 41more.com forward slash 38. This is episode number 38, and it's all about eclectic homeschooling. So, this episode is brought to you by my yearly lesson planning in less than one hour. Workshop. It's only a 30-minute workshop, so it won't take you days and days to get through. And here's the thing. If you're going to implement eclectic homeschooling, which I'm going to tell you about in today's episode, you're not going to want to spend all summer planning for for the school year, and you're not going to want to spend every weekend working in your teacher planning book. So I want you to check out that yearly lesson planning in less than one hour. It's a tiny workshop. It's not going to take you much time. But it's going to tell you exactly how to do it the way I do it that is minimalistic. I plan for five kids and it doesn't take much time at all. That workshop is only $5. And I think for a price of really good coffee, it's going to be well worth your time. So check it out. You can find it at 41more.com forward slash shop. And it's in my shop, or I will link to it directly in the show notes at 41more.com forward slash 38. So let's jump into this episode. Welcome back. If you're here for the first time, I'm Abby and I homeschool five kids. I used to be a public school teacher. So getting my brain around homeschooling and realizing it's not going to look like a classroom has been um, a really great transformation in the last 10 years. And maybe you can relate to that kind of thought where you attended public school and, or private school and you're just used to a traditional school uh, the way it flows, it's sometimes hard to realize that homeschooling doesn't have to look like that, and in fact, it probably shouldn't. So, in today's episode, we're tackling the topic of eclectic homeschooling. And you know, maybe you're like me, and whenever people find out you homeschool, they ask you, "Oh, what curriculum do you use?" And they want you to say, "Like, I use this one thing." They want you to say, "Oh, you know, the public school gives me the books, and I use them at home." They want they want a simple answer, and I laugh inside every time someone asks me that because I'm like, well how long do you have cuz I use so many different things with five kids, three in high school, one in fifth of uh, sixth grade this year, another one in first grade this year. I mean, I use everything. Some stuff is very traditional. We do a textbook, not many things, but like math for a lot of the kids, we use textbook. But then again, some of the older kids, we they're doing online now. You know, I mix and match and we do um, classical education here. And we do a little Charlotte Mason here and we do, you know, like we mix it all up because... What is eclectic homeschooling? Well, it's basically the best of all approaches. Um, you know, no approach is going to be perfect. Now, some people settle in and they they say, "Well, I'm a tr- I'm just a pure Charlotte Mason homeschooler." But I like some of the things Charlotte Mason talks about, but I I don't implement it all because it feels a little bit much for me, and especially at this stage of homeschooling with some high schoolers, I have to do traditional for some of this stuff to get it on the transcript. So I mean, it just depends on your season of life, your comfortability, what your kids need, because Honestly, and I hope you check out um the podcast I just did on dyslexia if you're thinking, well, one of my kids has a has dyslexia. I can't homeschool them the same way I homeschooled their siblings. And that's totally what I've been through. Um I will link to that to the the episode on dyslexia in the show notes. I believe it was um number 37. It was the one before this one. So, um check that out if you haven't listened already. But, you know, the thing about eclectic homeschooling is you know, it's okay to not start out this way, to not start out eclectic. In fact, a lot of families when you're first starting out, you might be all out of the box. You might feel really comfortable just purchasing, you know, a complete first grade curriculum from a well-known publisher until you get your feet wet, and that's really okay. A lot of us start out this way. Honestly, I started out, I would say halfway this way. I got um kindergarten for my oldest, from a publisher, not every subject, but like the language arts and the math. And then for everything else, we actually did start with unit studies and, you know, teaching multiple kids together and that kind of thing. But it's okay if you start out with a lot of hand-holding from some reputable publisher. And then as you get more comfortable with homeschooling, your confidence goes up, you realize, I can do this, I'm getting used to, I understand it now. Then you can start to veer off and pick and choose, and it's really picking the best of all approaches. You know, most families actually do move in the eclectic homeschooling direction. There aren't tons of homeschooling families who are just one style. I mean, there's probably I mean I'm not going to say there's none. You might be listening and think, "Well, I'm totally classical homeschooler. I don't do anything else." But I think a lot of us pick and choose because it's easier. It's easier to pick and choose per kid. Um, kids change through the years your homeschooling style evolves and there are just so many aspects that go into homeschooling. So I love the eclectic approach. It means you're picking uh, from this publisher here and then you're doing unit studies over here and then you're doing uh, online lessons here and you're just making it work for your family. So let's dive into this lesson this this podcast episode. I want to talk about the benefits of it, and then I want to give you a peek into what ours looks like and how I plan for the year. And I'll tell you a little bit about that uh, workshop I was mentioning about yearly lesson planning in less than one hour. Okay. So let's chat about the benefits of eclectic homeschooling. I listed four. There's probably tons more, but let's just chat about four. Number one, the ability to make it work for this child. I've already mentioned this because if you are stuck with one approach and say a textbook approach or just a Charlotte Mason approach, honestly it might not work for this particular child they might have dyslexia they might have another issue they might just need a different kind of style homeschooling is tricky because you you can't just homeschool the way you like to learn you have to really work with the learning styles of your kids and i have 5 kids and they pretty much cover all the learning styles. So I can't just do the same thing for every kid. And as you homeschool, you'll learn this. You have to make it work for this child. So that's why being able to pick and choose and not just say, oh, I'm just pegging ourselves as this type of homeschooling family. That allows you to make it work for that child. And this leads us into the second point I want to mention is you create a custom education. Where else can your kids get a custom education? They're not even going to get it at the private school down the street that's charging you lots of money per month in tuition because they're still operating on a classroom model like the public school. You're not going to get a customized education anywhere else. But when you homeschool, and especially if you're eclectic um, in your choosing the best Uh, resources for every subject every year for that child, you are going to be able to customize that education for that particular child. How about number three? It's easy on the budget. I love to be thrifty. Listen, I am so thrifty. It sometimes gets me in trouble, but in homeschooling, I am not spending a thousand bucks per kid or even 500 bucks per kid on curriculum. And if I always went with a traditional publisher and bought their whole bundle for that grade level, I would be spending a boatload of money. Now, it doesn't mean I use terrible resources just because they're free. I don't use. A lot of free stuff either, but I do my research. I find stuff that I can reuse for kids because it's open and go. It's not worksheet based, it's not printable based. My kids aren't filling out tons of worksheets and I'm not buying that kind of thing. And so I'm able to really save a lot of money on the budget. When my boys were little and they were all in elementary school together, my four boys, you better believe we did science together, we did social studies together, we did foreign language, Bible, art, like. All those things were done together, and that's a great way to save on um, curriculum and a great way to save money. So I think eclectic homeschooling is awesome to be easy on the budget. So if you're a one-income family, which... I'm going to say you're not alone. Two-thirds of homeschool families rely on one income because that's just the way it is a lot of times. And so eclectic homeschooling is a great way to go because it's going to be easy on the budget. Here's the fourth benefit I want to mention it gives you seasonal flexibility. And I don't mean like fall, winter, spring, and summer or Christmas and Thanksgiving. I mean, seasonal flexibility in your own life. We all go through seasons. When I first started homeschooling, my oldest was kindergarten. I had just had my fourth baby. And then I had like a toddler and a preschooler. And I homeschooled quite differently than I did, you know, five years in where they were older. Um, and even, I homeschool differently now with mostly th- you know three of my five being in high school that's what I'm talking about the seasons of homeschooling it's going to change your dynamics are going to change so if you have lots of babies and toddlers and you need a certain homeschooling style so that you can just handle life that's okay and you might not stick with it through your homeschool all your homeschooling years, and that's okay too. So I love eclectic homeschooling because it allows you to grow, change, evolve. It allows you to change with your kids and their seasons of life. Uh, by the time you have high schoolers, I really hope that they're independent learners and your job has changed. You're not so much hands-on with the kids. You're a lot more of a cheerleader and a mentor and a coach. So that's what I mean about seasons of homeschooling. And I think eclectic homeschooling style really fits in well and allows you to change up as you need to. So I thought you might like a little peek into what our eclectic homeschooling looks like, and I'm not going to be terribly thorough, but I'll link to a bunch of resources um, and posts in the show notes where you can find at each different grade level, kind of what we've used just as a little bit of a inspiration or ideas for you if you haven't gotten to those grade levels yet. So I, like I said, what we do now is a lot different than what we did five years ago or 10 years ago, even with my first grader, who is my youngest this year. I mean, I homeschooled all her brothers in first grade, but look what they did and what she's doing is slightly different. Not totally, but there's some changes. So um, here's kind of what it looks like for us. So I'll start with math you know math and language arts those are your key subject areas you've got to really make sure those are solid because kids need a foundation in math they need a foundation in language arts everything else is going to be exposure and this is a quote i love to quote from um Oh, is it Mike? I think it's Mike Ferris from HSLDA and I'll link to a post where I've quoted him because sometimes as homeschool moms, we feel like, oh, they have to learn every single thing about social studies and every single thing about science and every, you know, or else I'm going to ruin them. And the fact is you're never going to teach them everything. They don't learn everything in public school. You know, kids, no one learns everything. There's so much knowledge out there. You're never going to learn it all in K through 12, but you do have to have solid math foundation and solid language arts other than that it's exposure you want to expose them to tons of history and tons of interesting science and tons of you know all the other subject areas you want to expose them and make it enjoyable and pique their curiosity and help them to learn how to learn but you're not going to teach them everything so don't feel like that pressure on yourself if you can in your mind if you can realize okay math and language arts i've got to nail that and after that I'm not going to put that pressure on myself. You're going to have a much easier time. So here's what I mean. So in math, we have always loved Bob Jones Um university press math books. And I know not everyone loves them. And I kind of don't know why, because one time we did switch over very briefly to Saxon and we couldn't stand it. Now some people love Saxon. It's just, it's just one of those things, but I'm just telling you what worked, what has worked for us. We really love Bob Jones math. And I have found now that I have high schoolers, um, and they've gone all the way through that. And some of them are branching off into video lessons because they need that for their learning style I have one son that's has dyslexia and he really needed to use um, video-based lessons that are shorter and that are, you know, don't give him 30 equations to do. So he's branched off into that. I have another student that's branched off into another online math course, and I'll link to all these in the show notes. But what I'm trying to say is the Bob Jones math, I think is really, it's hard. It's very thorough. And so they've been prepared really well. And some of my, I mean, my my oldest does still is in Bob Jones math and he's doing algebra Two, And he's able to look at the textbook and teach himself and get A's in the class. And my other student who went off into an online algebra one actually placed into the honors program. So I'm saying Bob Jones math really prepares them well. And um, I've done posts on how we use that and what the insides of the books look like. And honestly, for kindergarten through six, you would totally be able to just buy the student book and teach them the lesson yourself. If you graduated from high school, you'll, you will be able to help your child with sixth grade math, I promise. It is not actually that hard, and they, it is shows you really well um, explains it and you're able to help them. So that's an example of what we do with math. We really love it. And I'll show you some, I'll put some links in the show notes. Then for language arts. So for math, that would be a textbook based approach mainly, right? Very traditional textbook based approach for language arts. Um, I did so much research when my kids started school. And actually we did use Bob Jones for some of the early phonics and stuff, but then we branched off and I felt fa- found the well-trained mind and I found um, Susan Wise Bauer and all her resources like first language lessons, writing with skill, writing with ease. And this would be a classical approach to education. And I've really loved her materials. They can be used with multiple kids. It's open and go. I don't have to do lesson planning. It is so easy to implement and it's a solid foundation in language arts. Um, so that's an example of how we didn't use a textbook-based approach. We didn't use traditional. We're, we didn't use unit studies. We're doing a very much a classical approach. Then with spelling, we rave about all about spelling because we tried to do the traditional approach with the spelling book and the 20 words every Friday and the spelling test, and it was a disaster. So for spelling, we are totally in love with all about spelling. And that would probably be a classical approach too. Maybe, huh, maybe Charlotte Mason? I'm not sure how that would be pegged. But it's totally um works with has worked with my dyslexic son. And so we love all about spelling. Do you see how we're picking and choosing? I'm not going with a textbook manufacturer for everything, and I'm not going with a totally classical approach to everything. Then for units, um, for social studies and science, we do a lot of unit studies, um, in the elementary years. Um, we have used things like God's design for science, and that has been a way to teach multiple ages together. Now I'm loving, um lots of wonderful books and unit studies for the younger elementary years, and then getting into apologia science for the older elementary years. So I've changed through, I've just changed. I've changed in the last decade and that's kind of how we flow. So, um, and I guess then for high, so that would be kind of like an elementary peak. For high school, it, it is a bit more traditional because of the transcripts um, and having to get credits. So I told you math, My out of my three high schoolers, one is textbook-based, one is on an online math program, and one is on another online math program. So it's totally different. For science in high school, we're loving Apologia. Although for my dyslexic son, I'm thinking that for chemistry next year, Apologia is going to be a little much and I'm looking at alternatives. So that's what I mean about a custom education. I don't feel like I have to use the same thing for everyone for history. Um, we've gone all over the place with geography. We have used Bob Jones press cultural geography in ninth grade. Now I'm kind of changing uh, things up for one of my kids and kind of creating my own geography. Um, my own geography assignments for him. Now for history, we've used not grass history because it combines English and Bible and history. But then again, sometimes we don't do the Bible component and we do our own things. So see what I mean? We're even eclectic when we pick curriculum. We don't even use it the way it's supposed to be used. But I want you to feel that flexibility and that freedom to do exactly that. We are loving Dave Ramsey personal finance for high school this year. It's been amazing and so see I'm outsourcing that. That's a DVD and the kids watch it and I print out the assignments. So that's totally outsourced. Let me think what else I'm missing. Um huh. That could be mainly it. And then for 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 English for the upper grades, we do everything. We we do Cla- reading classical literature, writing about it. We're doing vocabulary, getting ready for SATs. We're doing... Um Um, What else? We're finishing writing with skill, which is um, back to classical education. And that's kind of at a middle that's written for middle school. But I feel like most high schoolers don't even learn those writing skills of how to write all the different kinds of, you know, comparison, persuasive reference, write reference paper, like all these things. So we're working on that. We're writing in the content areas. We're just doing a bunch of things. So I'm super eclectic in the high school years for um, their English credit. So that is what I love about eclectic homeschooling. You can see which kid has a, has a you know, okay, this kid really needs to work on Vocabulary, or this kid really needs to learn how to write better. So, we're going to focus on that in English. And as long as you're tracking your hours, like 120 hours equals one credit in high school. You're fine. You just mix all the different types of English. You get a little bit of speech. One of my high schoolers does devotionals at the nursing home. Well, that is speech. He's preparing something and he's giving a speech. That can totally count. They're reading um classical literature and you know the the lit that you expect Um, high schoolers to read in ninth through 12th grade. So that counts. They're working on vocabulary for SAT. They're writing across the content areas. One of my sons is doing dual credit um, history. And so he has a lot of um, essays he has to write. So I can use the time he spends on that as part of his English credit. So do you see how eclectic homeschooling really allows you to create that custom education, fit in what they're already doing, um, look and see what they need more work on and find assignments to fit those needs. As we wrap up, I just want to mention that the way I plan for five kids all the way from K through 12 is Very simple, very minimalistic, and it works. I don't spend more than an hour a year planning for the year, and then every weekend, it takes me five minutes to reset or homeschool using Trello. I explain all of this in the workshop that I mentioned at the beginning, and I really want you to check it out if you're overwhelmed with your homeschool planning or you're not sure how you can plan with an eclectic homeschool. Because you know if you buy from a big box publisher, they do send you lesson plans. But I would get so overwhelmed having five kids, lesson plans, okay, five kids times five subjects, 25 lesson plans every day. That would drive me crazy. So if you're in that boat and you're saying, yeah, I am over all of the chaos with lesson planning, then the way I do it with my eclectic homeschooling is really simple. And I think that it would really help you check out that workshop. Remember, it's at 411 more.com forward slash shop and it's called yearly lesson planning in less than one hour. I'll also link to it in the show notes at more.com forward slash thirty eight. But basically, what it is is I do a spread. I do a spreadsheet. I don't do it on the computer. I just do it by hand. And I link um, in this workshop. You can download the papers I use. And so all I do is I have all the kids on one side, all the subjects across the other, and I start filling in what we're going to use. So if I know what math is, like I have a good Grasp on what we're using for math. Fill that in. Language arts. I start with who I know. I fill in. What am I using? I'm using this. I'm using this. You just start to fill out this chart. History. What do we have already? What? Okay. Did it work? No. I want to find something different. You know that kind of thing. Fill it in. The elementary kids. I see who I can group together for unit studies. The older kids. They're on their own. They're getting credits in high school. Um, then you know it really comes together fairly quickly. And then all you do is you buy. You You know, you make your shopping list, you look for sales, and you buy what you need. It's a really easy way to lesson plan because I don't want to have a big teacher planning book that I have to look at every day and write in every weekend and handwrite lesson plans. That's totally ridiculous. I don't have time for that. So I want curriculum that we put a bookmark in at the end of the day, and the next day we open up where we were and we do the next lesson. That is the only way to homeschool. Um, I think, without going crazy. Because if you have a teacher planning book or you're typing out lesson plans and every weekend you're searching Pinterest for worksheets, you're going to get burnt out so quick and you're going to throw in the towel with homeschooling. You have got to find a sane approach. And so I think eclectic homeschooling allows that sane approach. And I show you exactly how I plan for all my five kids. And it only takes me an hour, Really, no more than that. So, if you're interested, definitely check it out. I hope this episode has been helpful and given you a little peek into eclectic homeschooling and how it looks in our house. I'd love it if you'd go over and give this. Uh, episode, this podcast, a rating, or review in iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. will really help other homeschool moms find this podcast and hopefully give them the dose of encouragement they need. So thanks for joining me on this episode. You can find the show notes for this episode at 4 1 morecom forward slash 38. And in the meantime, happy homeschooling.